0: The Employment Hour, right here, Talk Radio, AM 640 1 855 821 5900, L I O R at employmenthour.com. Anytime through email, we will get to the severance pay calculator here in just a bit, Lior, but we always start with some cases that have come across the, uh, the firm and your desk to put a finer point on it. With the week that was, what is happening? Hey,
1: Johnny. Thank you. Well, you know, the most exciting thing that's happening is we're all back now in full speed from mm-hmm. holidays and, you know, it's nice. Hopefully all all our listeners were able to take some time off, enjoy it. I know I did. And back here in, in the swing of things and, and working with people, helping individuals that have workplace problems. And, and unfortunately, John, this is the time of year often when changes in the workplace happens, uh, cutbacks, restructuring, uh, changes in direction where employers decide what they're going to do in, in the year. And many people may lose their job, unfortunately, unfortunately, not because they did something wrong. It's just that time of year. It's the nature of the beast. So if you are in that situation, you know, we're here to inform and educate and hopefully give you something to think about in terms of what you're owed if you lost your job. It's not hopeless. The law is actually quite good. Uh, and that's really what we're here to talk about. And as you said, Johnny, just to get us warmed up, let me start off with a couple of matters that I dealt with actually right before the holidays, but I think uh, I think are very interesting for our listeners to know about. Uh, both of them, by the way, have to do with the fact that uh, in some cases you may have a heck of a lot more service, more more seniority than you realize. The first matter I'll, uh, I'll tell you about involved a person that had worked uh, for a, a mechanic uh, shop for, for five years. So at least he called me and said I'd worked there for five years. He was let go because they were not doing particularly well. And they had offered him three months' pay. Now, three months' pay was a lot less than what he was owed. I had assessed him at being owed, uh, given what he told me, uh, at six months' pay, about double. Now, as I'm talking to him and getting some information to find out exactly all the details, Uh, What I found out, in fact, that, wait a second, this company that he was working for five years ago purchased the other mechanic store that he was working for, and he had worked there since 1992. So he worked from 1992 to 2011. This company bought out the other company in 2011, and he worked for five years. So he had assumed that he is a five-year employee, Mm -hmm. and because of that, his severance should be based on that. But no, hopefully you and and our listeners by now that have, have heard us for a while Understand what happens on a sale of a business. When a business is sold and the employees carry on with the buyer, the buyer inherits the service. So that's what happened here in 2011. The company that bought the the, the new mechanic store that bought the old mechanic store inherited his service going back to 1992. And now when he was let go in 2016, he's now a 24-year guy, not a five-year guy. So all of a sudden, forget about six months severance, he was probably close to two years severance. So he he was offered three months, which was going to be inadequate, even if he was only a five-year employee. But which is actually ridiculous considering the fact that he's a 24-year employee. So now I'm working with him, and I'm going to get him his full severance. And remember, John, for this one guy, the difference here is the difference between three months and 24 months pay, uh, and that's the lesson here. When When a business is sold and you continue working, your seniority doesn't start at zero. It continues, and if down the road you lose your job, Guess what your seniority carries through
0: that's a big difference in in coinage for sure. he's probably lucky he came by and talked to you. I would imagine
1: yeah, well, you know, like I said, the devil's in the details, right and and he literally called me told me I'm a five year employee. Well, let me tell you about the second situation, kind of a similar result, but uh, very interesting. Uh, I got a call from a, a very senior executive working for one of the major banks, and he had only worked there for six months. And he was let go, and they had offered him close to six months' pay, about five, five and a half months' pay. And that was not a bad offer for him. You know, after six months, he's an older guy, senior position. Yeah, about five, six months is what I would have assessed him, even though he only worked for six months. And again, I go through my usual intake process. I ask him some questions. But what I find out is that, wait a second, he didn't just apply for a job with this bank, they recruited him through a headhunter. Ah. He was securely employed at a major corporation uh, for about 14 years uh, prior, and they recruited him. They brought him in. uh, He wasn't looking uh, for a job. He wasn't shopping out his resume. They just made him some great, grandiose promises, made him a fabulous offer. He agreed to leave that company, join the bank. Well, guess what happens in that situation, John? Now, this is what we call inducement. Mm. They've induced him to leave. So now that they let him go six months later, they have to account for his prior service. So he's no longer a six-month guy. He's now potentially a 14-year guy. So that means he may be owed 16, 18 months of severance, even though he only worked for the company for six months. He was shocked to hear that. He had no idea. And you know, this particular gentleman makes a significant compensation, well into the six figures. So we're talking about literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's the difference for him. So uh, remember, when you lo- when you lose your job, if in fact you worked there for a short period of time, but you were recruited into that job. You may get credit for the time you had with the previous company, and that may make all the difference in the world.
0: Never mind being an employee. This is a word of the wise for employers as well. Call you and check this stuff out before you start making moves because it could cost you large, right?
1: Well, yeah. For example, this bank, all that I would have had to do is have him sign an employment agreement saying explicitly, we're not going to recognize any past service. And if they, they had done that, then they would have been fine. They didn't do that. And because of that, you know, like it or not, they're on the hook for his past service.
0: We're going to talk about deadlines for signing back severance offers before the panic sets in when they slide you that uh, that box across the desk. You think it's Friday at 3. we got some news for you. We'll fill you in on that. Uh, the number, as always, one 855 821 Emails is leor L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And when you got a few minutes, which we'll get to, check out SeverancePayCalculator.com, the Employment Hour Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number is one 855 5900 It's Leor at EmploymentHour.com. You'll want to drop us an email during the show and SeverancePayCalculator.com. We're going to get into deadlines for signing back severance offers here in a moment, Leor. but uh, yeah, I mentioned it twice, so give us some details on the Severance Pay Calculator.
1: Yeah, and you know, we, we talked uh, previously in the previous segment about severance, how much someone is owed, and that's an important piece of information. It's an important thing that everyone needs to know, uh, whether they've lost their job or maybe they haven't lost their job, but they need to have that information available to them because it helps you to plan. What's the worst-case scenario? If I lose my job, what am I going to be owed? Uh, so you, you have to have that information, and you can always call me, and I can tell you what you'd be owed, but I've made it even easier than that. I've created a tool that allows anyone, everyone, To find out exactly accurately how much they owed if they lost your job. How do you do it? How do you use it? Well, you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Again, John, the address is severancepaycalculator.com and you input three things your age, your position, and the length of your employment. That's it. And it tells you whether it's six months, 12 months, 24 months, or anything in between how much you're owed. It's so easy to use, it's completely free, it's anonymous. Everyone should use it. I, I know most people, uh, even if they haven't lost their job, they're, they're a bit curious. Hey, what would I be owed? Am I owed six months? Am I out seven months? Well, go right now to severancepaycalculator.com, check it out, and tell others about it as well.
0: You know, it's funny, this uh, past Monday with your colleague uh, Dave Vaughn, uh, we're doing the show on Monday here uh, on 640 anyway, and uh, we did a couple live, and it literally takes 30 seconds to go through because people called in wanting to know what their offer would be or what it should be after they had uh, had one sitting in front of them. It's really quick, and it really is simple to use, so anybody could basically log on and use that, right?
1: Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's so easy, so so uh, simple to use. Anyone can absolutely use it, and it's so valuable uh, because you. how else are you going to know? Uh, there's so much misinformation, half-truth, misconceptions out there about severance. Some people think, well, if I lost my job, I get a week for every year or two weeks for every year or a day for whatever it is. That is absolutely wrong. All of it is wrong. So that's why I've created the severance calculator so people don't have to try to figure out what's right and what's not. There's one tool, one easy way to find out anyone can use it, severancepaycalculator.com.
0: Gonna get into deadlines for signing back severance offers, but uh, but first we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll get into it by saying this, how typical uh, is, how's a typical severance offer when it's handed to you? How's it structured?
1: Yeah, and you know, I have seen thousands and thousands of severance offers, severance letters in my career, of course, and virtually all of them are, are structured in, in the same way. Uh, and and you know, if you haven't seen one before you've been fortunate not to lose your job well let me tell you how one generally looks like uh the first thing it's going to say is you're losing your job and in most cases it's going to say without cause and then it's going to outline what the employer is going to pay you or do for you in any event so your minimum entitlement so we're going to give you your minimum entitlements usually that's a week's pay for every year of service and then the offer comes in then an employer is going to say well in addition to those minimum entitlements, here's what we're going to offer you. We're going to offer you the following. And to get this extra amount, you have to sign off on our severance offer by the deadline. And there's always then going to be a deadline uh, by which an offer has to be signed. Uh, usually it's a few days later. Friday at 5 tends to be a very popular day for for whatever reason. Then there's also going to be attached a legal document called a release release releases a standard legal document that essentially says that once you've accepted the offer, you can't change your mind. So that's really what a, a severance offer looks like. Most of them are two pages in length, not very long usually, uh, and and it's that extra amount that people get very worried about. They think, well, wait a second. They're offering me this extra amount, but only if I sign by Friday at 5. And they right. may think, well, if I don't accept by Friday at 5, I'm not going to get this extra amount, and I want this extra amount. What people don't understand is that they think this extra amount is something that the employer is giving out of the goodness of their heart. Well, it's not that way, John. This extra amount is what the law requires them to provide. So because of that, you know the, that deadline really ultimately should not matter because you're owed what you're owed, and that's really what we want to talk about.
0: So the deadline isn't really that big a concern for anybody.
1: Well, no, no. The deadline is not a concern simply because you're owed what you're owed. You you have certain rights, and your rights do not expire, Johnny. Friday at five. If I owe you a thousand dollars, I can't say, well, I'm only going to pay what I owe you, John. If you accept my offer by Friday. Well, no. Too bad for me. If I owe you a thousand bucks, I have to pay you a thousand bucks. The only time a deadline could be relevant in a severance offer is if the employer is offering you more than what they should be offering you. In which case, obviously, you would want to accept it before they change their mind. Fifteen years, John, of doing this, thousands and thousands of severance offers that I've seen, I have yet to see offers that are necessarily better. Maybe one in 15 years that are better than what it should be. At most, at most they may be as good as what mm-hmm. the offer should be, but not better. So because of that, what I always tell people is, don't worry about the deadline. Your legal rights don't expire Friday at five. Uh, it, it's a, it's a pressure tactic, John. It's all it is. The employer wants you to think often that you have something to lose to, to try to kind of light a fire under you. Well, something's going to happen if you don't sign by Friday, and most people fall for that. They don't know any better, so they think, wait a second, I have to sign by Friday, or else something bad's going to happen. They sign off only to then realize that they shouldn't, that they walked away from thousands or tens of thousands of dollars that they were owed. Hmm. By then, it's too late.
0: You have what? I've heard about two years rather to get that offer signed back. Not that anybody's going to take two years, but that is your window, right?
1: Well, yeah, you have two years to pursue your legal entitlement. So if you lost your job tomorrow or today, your legal rights don't expire until two years from today. That's a long period of time. And it's not Friday and it's not Thursday or Monday. You have plenty of time. Now, I I would never say, hey, sit on this for two years. That's ridiculous. We can resolve this very, very quickly. But that's just a way uh, to, to prove and establish that these deadlines, these Friday at five deadlines, are completely meaningless. They're there. As a pressure tactic, nothing more.
0: So that's the re. I, I can think of no other reason why an employer would put a deadline on there if it, if it doesn't hold water. Is it just a pressure tactic?
1: That's it, John. It's, it's a pressure attack, but it's a very effective pressure attack. Yeah, right. If, if, if I, if you don't know any better and I'm offering you this amount of money, but only if you sign it Friday, you think, wait a second, now I'm out of a job, right? Holy cow. Yeah. I have bills to pay. I have mortgage. I have kids' education. I have all these things. Now I lost my job and I don't have any income. I don't know how long it's going to take me to find another job. My employer is offering me this money, but only if I sign off by this deadline. Holy cow. For many people... This is huge pressure. This is unbelievable pressure. And that's why people accept it, not knowing that there's easy alternatives. We can get you what you're owed very, very quickly. That extra amount that they've offered you is less, in most cases, than what you're actually owed. So please, please don't – as difficult as it is, and I understand that – don't fall for this pressure tactic.
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 and Leor at employmenthour.com. And when you got a moment, find out how much a severance package should be, severancepaycalculator.com. More of the employment hour coming right up, talk radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number is 1-855-821-5900. It's Lior at employmenthour.com through email, severancepaycalculator.com. You'll want to find out what you're really owed. It's probably not the number that's sitting in front of you. It's probably a heck of a lot more. Go to that website, take 30 seconds, put in some data, and uh, and check it out. So we're talking about signing back severance offers. Um, deadlines, we know they're false. you got two years. What happens if an individual uh, does not sign by the deadline? Because they're probably listening to you going, yeah, Leor. you know what? I'm not sure I trust you. I'm going to sign it anyway.
1: Yeah, and, and that is really the question. People think, well, okay, you told me I don't have to sign by the deadline. I understand, but but what happens if I don't? Like, what well, am I losing? Something? Uh, what, what are the repercussions? So so here's how it works. Uh, the way st- the, the the way the law is structured is as follows: you have your minimum entitlements, and you have your full entitlements. So your minimum entitlements in most cases may be a week's pay for every year of service. But your full entitlements could be 10 times that. And again, the full entitlements are also legally required. Courts have established that for years and years and years. And as I said, usually what an employer is going to say is, okay, we're going to no problem, pay you those minimum entitlements because we, we have to, it's your minimums. But to get your full entitlements, you have to sign this document. So what happens if you don't sign by the deadline is they'll immediately pay you your minimum entitlements And they'll hold off on paying you your full entitlements until we've resolved it until we've agreed to terms. But the good news is John that we can do that very quickly. It doesn't take a year. It doesn't even take six months. Usually it takes a couple of weeks to resolve this. So uh, they'll they'll say your minimum entitlements are three weeks, but we're going to pay you another two weeks if you sign by Friday for a total of five weeks. Well, in this situation, you could actually be owed six months. So you don't want to accept five weeks uh when you're owed six months so what happens if you don't sign by the deadline they'll pay you the minimum entitlements the three weeks right away and they'll pay you the difference once we resolve it i would get involved i would write to the company i would say i've been retained by this individual here's what they're owed i would engage them in a discussion and a negotiation and we resolve it and then you'll sign off on a proper severance offer a proper severance letter that provides you for your full uh, uh, with your full entitlements that's how it works so that that's why you don't have to worry about not uh, signing and and the the key here that the most important thing i want people to remember is you can't sign and then change your mind you can't sign and then say now i want uh, something different or something more once you've signed off you're done in, in in 99.9% of the cases and how many times have i had in my practice even here on the show john we've had people call well, well, they said, I accepted my severance offer last month. I, I understand now that I'm owed a lot more because maybe I used the severance calculator. What can I do? And almost always the answer is at that point, it's too late, unfortunately. Can't help you once you've accepted.
0: Sometimes we've had those phone calls and emails where people say they felt pressured to sign by the deadline. Um, and if, if, that, if that's the truth, is, can you prove it? Can you do something about it? Can you reverse it?
1: Yeah. And, and it is very common to people to say, well, I didn't know any better as, as you know, I lost my job. I felt all, all this pressure. My employer is telling me that I have to sign or else. So, and then I sign. you know, I'm, I'm freaking out here. That's, that's normal. Yeah. And you know what? It is normal. It is natural. Most people, in fact, in that situation, I can see why they would because they feel this pressure. Unfortunately, the law is not very forgiving in the situation even though you you feel pressure and it's legitimate if you sign you know as an adult uh you have to live with what you've done there are exceptions to this now if you sign under duress and the duress really means that they've they've uh made some threat against you so for example uh they they said that they'll they'll take legal action against you Or maybe they owe you money. Uh, Let's say they said that I'm not going to pay you for your last week's salary that you worked unless you sign this or, you know what I mean? If they threaten to do something illegal, if you don't sign and you sign because of this illegal threat, then yeah, you may then be able to say, I signed under duress. And because of that, I don't have to live by it. I don't have to be bound by it. The other way you could potentially get around it is if your employer essentially makes you sign on the spot. So they called you into a meeting uh, Friday morning to, to let you go, and they said, well, we got need you to sign this right now, right here on the spot. If you sign this on the spot, well, you can probably get out of it because it's almost assumed that you signed under pressure. If your employer tells you, no problem, take it home, come back to us in a few days and sign it, you do that and you sign it, you probably are stuck with it.
0: Before it gets to any of this point, is it okay, and is it advised just to say, look, I understand the offer, but I'd like to take a little more time and, and get some legal advice?
1: Well, yeah, it's a, and, and, you know I, I always believe in courtesy. I think courtesy is an important thing, and then uh, it's something that people should always practice. So even though you can, you don't have to say anything. You can sim- simply ignore the deadline as a matter of courtesy only. I would always say, well, you know, I know you've asked me for a response by Friday, but I need more time, so I'm going to consult with the lawyer. I'll think about it, whatever it is, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible after that. That's fine. That's all you have to say, and you know what I think as a courtesy i think it's a good idea to do that but you absolutely don't have to you can feel free if you want to to ignore that deadline get some legal advice uh but of course you know and, and it's easy you don't have to work really hard you don't have to wait uh, a week to speak to someone you can literally step out of the termination meeting grab your your smartphone uh, and go to severancepaycalculator.com and find out exactly right there on the spot whether what they've offered you is good enough or not.
0: So before we uh, take a quick break, now if someone's listening say, okay, I'm, I'm taking your advice, I'm going to give you a call. What should they have prepared before they call you?
1: Yeah, so obviously I would want to see, if, if someone is let go, I want to see the letter of termination, i.e. the severance offer. That's a piece of paper that they'll give you when they lo- you lost your job. I'd also want to see, very important, the employment agreement. So this is the document you would have signed when you started working. Sometimes we would call it a job offer letter, contract of employment, an employment agreement. That document you signed when you started working. There could be important terms in that document that would help us assess what you are owed if you lost your job. I may also want to see a T4, especially if your compensation is comprised of different things. You may have salary and commission and bonuses. So I'd like to see perhaps a T4 if you have it available. If there's uh, discipline, if, if they say that they let you go for cause, for example, and you've received disciplinary letters, I'd like to see those as well. Uh, and there could be other documents. If you were recruited, I'd like to see any yep. emails you may have had that show that you were recruited. But at, at a on a very basic level, I'd like to see the offer of employment and the termination letter.
0: We'll uh, take a quick break. We'll bounce over to an email as soon as we get back. That is Leor at EmploymentHour.com. If you want to send us one, the number to get hold uh, now and outside the show hours is one eight five five. 821 5900, the employment hour, right here. Talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900, CHML. The number is 1 To get a hold of Leor, you want to email him anytime. Leor, L I O R, at employmenthour.com. If you haven't used the severance pay calculator, that is online as well. Find out what you're truly and really owed. It is severancepaycalculator.com. And email. Uh, now we'll get to one from, uh, from Dave here. Leor says, I drive a truck. And this is nice. My employer is installing driver-facing cameras in all the trucks, and has asked me to agree. What happens if I don't agree? No kidding.
1: Yeah, no, it's an interesting question uh, with uh, with driver-facing cameras. And and the reality is that uh, it, it's not something that an employer generally can do as is, is change. You know, obviously, if you're driving a truck and and you don't have cameras, having cameras is a significant change. That said, what our courts have said is. Uh, have said is that unless you're somewhere where you have a real expectation of privacy, like in a change room, a bathroom, et cetera, uh, then then an employer generally can kind of get away with that. So in the situation where you're driving around the employer's clock, you're not expecting necessarily privacy. I mean, you, there's windows in the truck. People can otherwise see you. It's not a, a private place. Then, yeah, an employer usually could do that. Uh it, It's not a a thing that I would usually recommend to employers for various reasons. But is it illegal? Is it something that you can take action against your employer for doing? Probably not. So if you, you know, quote unquote, refuse the employer may say, well, too bad. We're going to put it in anyway. And if you maybe take them out, that could be potentially cause for termination. So in in a situation like this driver facing cameras, yeah, not ideal, but, but not illegal either.
0: God, Brian here says, I was just laid off and my employer told me that I only get severance if they don't call me back to work within 35 weeks. Does that sound right? Is it?
1: Well, John, this is obviously we've <laughs> talked about. This is a temporary layoff, yep. quote unquote. And I say quote unquote because it, there really isn't such a thing as a temporary layoff. A temporary layoff is a termination. A lot of employers think that they can lay someone off temporarily and if they don't call them back that's when they have to pay him severance and if they do call them back then life's good no problem well it doesn't work that way and and, and that's the answer here is a temporary layoff could be treated by the employee as a termination in other words if you've been laid off temporarily you have a you have an option you have the right to treat that as a termination to say no i'm not going to accept this temporary layoff i'm going to treat that as you letting me go employer and make you pay me severance now not in 35 weeks not in six months right now you have a right to do that uh, it, it's uh, it's easily uh, done unless of course john there's two situations only where a, an employer can get away with a temporary layoff is first if they've gotten away with it before if maybe a year two years five years in the past you let them do it and you, you, you can came back to work when they called you well Now, if you've established this term that they can let you go, or or sorry, that they can lay you off temporarily, or if you signed an employment agreement that specifically says that they can lay you off temporarily. Most people have not. So if this is your first temporary layoff, you can accept it, I guess, and hope for the best and wait at home until they call you back, or you can treat that right away as a termination and get your full severance right now, uh, and you have to make that decision while you're on the layoff. Once you've come back to work, it's too late to do anything about it.
0: 1-855-821-5900 is Leor's number and Leor at employmenthour.com. We're talking about dealing with criticism as well, discipline, bad performance reviews. So first, when should, uh, when should an employer take measures to deal with a problem employee?
1: And, you know, a lot of employers... Uh, have problem employees, you know, I say that in quotations, employees that are not doing what they're supposed to, and they ignore it, they don't do anything about it, they let let the problem escalate. And that is very bad practice. That's very bad HR practice. Uh, The the reality is that if you don't take legal action against it, or not even legal action, if you don't take measures to correct bad behavior, problems are going to escalate, and then you'll find that it's too late to do much about it. So when should an employer try to correct behavior? Well, anytime there's behavior that's unacceptable. Anytime there's behavior or conduct that the employee is engaged in that the employer doesn't approve of. So breaches of policy, conduct that's detrimental to the workplace, bad performance. If something like that happens as an employer, you should be dealing with it. You should take measures to correct it. You should take measures potentially to discipline the employee. That is within your prerogative as the employer. Of course, as long as it's reasonable and always the, uh, the punishment should fit the crime but ignoring it is almost the same as condoning it. If you're gonna, if I'm late every day and you kinda just, ah, I'm not happy, but you know, what am I gonna do about it? And then you say, well, now it's enough is enough. You've been late every day for the past six months. Well, at that point, it may be too late because hey, you've condoned it. I thought I was doing everything fine. Now you wanna punish me for something that I thought it was fine to do? Doesn't work that way. That's why you should not be condoning bad behavior as the employer documented. Take legal, uh, take uh, measures to correct the behavior and potentially discipline.
0: Couple minutes left here uh, in this segment. Let's talk a little bit about that corrective measures. What are they?
1: So an employer has a few corrective measures at its disposal, and you know the first one may be if it's just a matter of someone not doing a good job, you can use a performance improvement plan. You can put in a, a plan or a mechanism in place to allow the person to uh, to improve their performance where you outline what you're gonna to do to help them, uh, in that process, what the expectations are, and over what period of time. So that is an effective way, as long as it's reasonable, to say, we, we, are, we're not very happy right now with your performance, but here's what we're gonna to do to help you. Here's what we're gonna to do to outline the expectations, uh, from you, and, and, and give you time to, to get, uh, get things right and be better. That's one thing an employer can do. Now, The other measures have to do more with discipline. As an employer, you can discipline employees for improper conduct, Uh, and and oftentimes, unfortunately, I see employers jumping the gun and maybe going straight to a termination for cause when a termination for cause is the last, it's the ultimate Mm -hmm. penalty, kind of like the, the death penalty. Well, what can you do before that? Well, you can provide warnings, both written and verbal, uh You can provide potentially a, a suspension, as long as usually it's a suspension with pay. A suspension without pay often is a constructive dismissal, but a suspension with pay is is acceptable. In some more serious cases, you can even pro- uh, engage in what we call a disciplinary demotion, where you know we, we're we're very unhappy with you, but we're not going to let you go. We are going to demote you to a different position. That is an extreme measure, but it's available. And of course, the ultimate penalty, a termination for cause. Usually what we want to see, John, is that the, the discipline escalates in severity. So maybe we start with a, a, a verbal warning, we move up to a, a written warning, maybe up to a suspension, and then maybe we're in a position to terminate for cause. As I said, often employers jump the gun and they skip steps in this uh, process. And, and try to terminate for causes uh, before they should.
0: I noticed waterboarding wasn't on your list, so I guess we'll leave that one off, right?
1: No, No, <laughs> Might right, a I, we extreme. got rid of that last year. Right. No, not, not good.
0: Hey, unless you know what torture is, waterboarding actually sounds like fun. We're going out <laughs> to the cottage to do some waterboarding until <laughs> you've until you until <laughs> yeah. you've learned, right? Well, uh, we'll yeah, take a quick idea. break. <laughs> Lots more coming up here. 1-855-821-5900. And Leor at employmenthour.com. If you haven't checked it out, severancepaycalculator.com as well. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900. CHML. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 5900 The employment hour here, Lior, L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. you got a few minutes. Check out severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what you're really owed if that severance offer comes across your desk sometime. Uh, we're going to get back into disciplinary measures. So I'll ask you to just pick up where we, uh, we kind of left off a few minutes ago. That is, uh, if the employee agrees that there is a legitimate reason for the corrective measure, what does that employee do or what should that employee do?
1: Yeah. And, you know, by the way, John, most often I would think the employee does not agree. Yeah. Oftentimes I've, I've received calls and we've even received calls on the show before in emails, people saying, well, I've been disciplined. I've been given a warning letter, or maybe even a performance improvement plan. And I don't agree with it. I don't think I did anything wrong. No. Well, let's talk about what happens if you do agree. If you do agree, yeah, I did something wrong. I agree that it wasn't the right thing to do, and I've been disciplined. That's fine. Well, number one is you actually want to improve your performance. Of course, you want to make sure that you don't give your employer any reason to uh, to to let you go for cause or to escalate that discipline. You want to do what you can to improve. You want to tell your employer that that you you've understood. You want to tell your employer that you're going to work hard to improve, because what you don't want you don't want it to be a situation where it seems like you don't care. If you've done something wrong, you have to own it, and you have to show that you're willing and ready to improve. If you do that, it's gonna be very difficult to let you go for cause. Cause is really for those people that, you know, screw up, they do all these bad things, they don't care to improve, so if you wanna show that, yes, even if I did something wrong, I'm working hard to improve, there's no reason to escalate anything uh, in this front because I'm gonna do what I can t- uh, to do better. now. If you don't agree, this is very important. If you don't agree with the discipline, you have to say so. If, you say, if you've been accused of doing something and you don't believe that you have or that it wasn't your fault or maybe the employer doesn't have all the facts and details, you, you have to say so. You have to say, I don't agree. I don't think that, w- that was fair what you've said. Here's what actually happened. You don't want to be quiet about it. You don't want to be silent about it. By being silent, you could be considered to have accepted the discipline. If you've accepted it, later on you can't argue with it. So if you don't agree with something, say so. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be over the top about it. But it's okay to say, and by the way, when I say say, you have to do it in writing. To put it in writing, what actually happened put your position on the record. Don't be considered to have accepted something you don't agree with. By doing that, it's going to be much more difficult to impose further discipline or to let you go for cause.
0: So if a person doesn't do anything, even though they they disagree uh, that they did anything wrong, then what can happen?
1: Yeah, well, if the the person doesn't do anything, uh, even though they disagree, then they could be considered to have accepted it. And then the employer can later on Impose further discipline on the basis that you did something wrong before you did something wrong now, now we can let you go for cause when you when you may say, well, wait a second, I didn't do anything wrong before. Well, too bad. We said that you did, we disciplined, you you didn't say anything about it, you didn't argue. So silence is acceptance. You never want to mm-hmm. accept something you don't agree with. That's by the way, John, a very good rule for employees in the employment relationship. Acceptance or is the same as silence, or silence is the same as acceptance. For example, if your employer reduces your pay, we talked about that before, you may not be happy. Who would be, obviously, happy if their pay gets reduced? But By not saying anything about it, you're considered to have accepted it, even though you're not happy. So the same thing applies in every workplace situation. When something is said, done, contemplated that you're not agreeing with, you have to say, so put that position in writing. Uh, otherwise, you've accepted it, and then you're stuck with it, and you can't do anything.
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. So obviously, I mean, these situations can cause a lot of stress. Should someone take um, like a medical leave?
1: You know, I, I often get calls with these questions. Exactly. You know, I've been I've been very stressed. My employer is disciplining me. I don't think it's legit. Uh, you know, I can't sleep. I can't eat. Uh, what do I do? Well, oftentimes the answer is, yeah. If if you can't function and it impacts your health that much, then you should talk to a doctor and together with the doctor decide whether or not a medical leave is appropriate. You know, it's not for me to say I'm not a doctor whether you should be off on the leave, but it's certainly legitimate to seek the advice or consult with the doctor and find out whether or not you should be off on a leave. What I don't recommend doing is, uh, you know, what some people do is, you know, they see the writing on the wall, they think they're about to be let go, so they go on a medical leave hoping that that could avoid that. That never works. It's not a situation if your employer is going to let you go. You can't avoid that. You can't prevent that from happening by going off on a medical leave of absence. So it's illegitimate. All you do maybe is delay it by a bit. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, if your employer is treating you inappropriately, then you can go on a medical leave of absence. And potentially by doing that, because the inappropriate treatment caused you to go on a medical leave of absence, you may even be able to treat that at that point as a constructive dismissal, leave and get severance.
0: So someone was given a warning, but their employer is, is still not happy with them. Does that mean now they can let them go for cause?
1: no it 's not no. that uh, fast. you really need to build up a case to terminate for cause if If we use the death penalty analogy that i 've used before, so you 've done something wrong okay you know you, you get a't know suspended sentence. you did something wrong again well it doesn 't necessarily mean well, now too bad it 's the death penalty. maybe now you 're going to get a prison sentence you know there 's various steps that are available. And the same thing happens in the employment relationship. You did something wrong, you got a warning. Well, then you may need, uh, you did something wrong again, you may need another warning, maybe a suspension, etc. cetera. Uh, you have to build up the case if you're an employer. And usually I would want to see three, maybe four types of disciplinary measures before we can con- contemplate a termination for cause. And timing, of course, is important. If, if you've received three disciplinary measures in 17 years, that doesn't mean with the fourth one you could be let go for cause. If you receive three disciplinary measures in the last year, then yeah, the fourth one may be a termination right. for cause. So we have to look at that as well.
0: So, you know, fishing through all this, when does someone call you?
1: Well, someone should call me whenever they believe that an employer is treating them completely unreasonably and unfairly. Whenever someone feels that the employer is trying to build up a case to let them go for cause, then they need to call me. Uh, Unless, of course, they believe that the employer has legitimate reason Mm -hmm. to do that. Most people don't, and I understand that. So if you think your employer is building up a case against you because they're trying to lay the foundation, the groundwork to let you go for cause, you need to call me because we need to discuss how we build our own case. How do we pre- prevent that from happening? How do we document and record what actually happened? How do we respond to the employer so that we don't put them in a position from a legal standpoint to let you go for cause? So it's very important if you ever get the feeling that your employer is building up a case, to get legal advice. Yeah, and
0: it's a don't let it go. The number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 5900 anytime. keep that on you. Write it down. Lior L I O R at employmenthour.com is email. We'll get to a couple of those when we uh, when we come back from a short break. By the way, and if you've never used it, check it out. Severance paycalculator.com. Look at the numbers. Go through it. takes about 30 seconds. You'll find out what you're really owed in a real-life situation, not just what uh, people tell you on the street. Trust me, we've covered that about a billion times. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900, CHML. The number is uh, 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of Lior anytime or Lior at employmenthour.com. I mentioned an email, and we'll get to one right now uh, to close off the show this week. Uh, this gets sent in from France. says, I've worked for a small company for 26 years. Just found out that the business is closing at the end of the month. The owner says that because we have a small company, they don't have to pay severance. Wouldn't that be sweet? Uh, is that right? He wow. says, you know- tongue in cheek.
1: You know, tongue-in-cheek. But the the unfortunate thing is a lot of people still believe that, a lot Mm -hmm. of employers. and It may even be that Fran's employer believes that legitimately. So let's set it straight again for Fran, for Fran's employer, and for anyone else listening. No, the size of the company, the size of the company's payroll, the number of employees do not matter. Okay, they do not matter at all when it comes to severance. It doesn't impact it. So you could be working for a company with one employee or 2,000 employees. You still get the same amount of severance. The same, not almost the same, Mm -hmm. the same. Because your entitlements are based on your age, your position, and the length of your employment. So, Fran, you've worked there for 26 years. I don't know more about your position, but after 26 years, you're going to be looking at a minimum likely at 18 months severance, potentially as much as 24 months severance. So not only do you get paid, you get paid anywhere from a year and a half's pay to two years' pay. So that's wrong. Anyone that tells you differently, your employer that tells you differently, that means you've been wrongfully dismissed Don't believe that. It's wrong. It's false. Give me a call as soon as possible. Let's get you what you're owed and tell your your colleagues if they're in that same situation to do the exact same thing.
0: And again, you've done this so much for so many years, you know that number right off the top of your head. But just give us a basic breakdown, last minute to go here of the severance pay calculator because I mentioned it throughout the show, right?
1: That's right. And and for Fran and for anyone else uh, that's wondering about what they're owed, and you know, it's always interesting to find out how much you're owed if you lost your job or could potentially one day lose your job, severancepaycalculator.com input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and find out very easily, very quickly how much you're owed, free, completely, completely anonymous, uh, and make it the very first place you go to. Uh, It's such an important piece of information. It could literally save you tens of thousands of dollars, so check it out.
0: Until next time, here is the email address that we used, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Phone calls anytime. Bring them on. Lior's is waiting for you to call, answer all your questions, and move on from there. one 855 821 And one more time, severancepaycalculator.com is that simple, easy, quick, and free tool. You can start using that as soon as you want, like now, as soon as we sign off. Till next time, the Employment Hour right here. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.